Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by a man who doesn't get imposter syndrome, but apparently imposters get Shane Reeves syndrome, Shane Reeves. Absolutely. Who doesn't want to be me? <laughs> Who doesn't want to be me? I, mean, I was talking to somebody earlier in the week about imposter syndrome, and I and I had the thought, if there's anybody on this planet I can think of who's the least likely to be guilty of imposter syndrome, it's you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've got too much ego. So much ego. <laughs> I don't mind. Hey, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I knew I was an egomaniac when I realized my favorite cigar, favorite podcast was the Cigar Cast. Was fair my enough. podcast. That's fair. That's but fair. I sit here and record it on Wednesday or Thursday, and then can't wait till Saturday when me and my wife get to sit down and listen to it together. <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredibly telling of your per- personality. Um. <laughs> but it allows me to produce a higher quality podcast for my listeners because I always know what I said. Because you are one. Yeah, because I am one. I know what I want to hear. <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense. You know, when we first had the idea to start this podcast, we always said, even if we do it just for us, that's enough. I didn't realize how real that was going to turn out to be on your side of the table. <laughs> you didn't realize that you were just a pawn in my, in yeah. my game? In, in, your, in your exercise in narcissism. Well, I, yeah, my narcissist is in great shape. <laughs> My inner narcissist is outstanding. But there's been some other benefits of the podcast. One of the things has been getting getting cigars that we normally would have a little more trouble getting our hands on. I don't know what you're talking about. I paid for mine. <laughs> well, that's your problem. <laughs> Clearly it is. See, again, somebody else wants to be Shane. Here, here please, have Shane smoke this cigar. I know. Well, okay, fine. I bought yours. I, I got the free one. Um, this is a cigar that I have been excited about for weeks. Um... So, Trinidad is a cigar brand that I'm a big fan of, and you don't really see them that many places. And I think it, I think it's one of those Altidus brands that kind of ebbs and flows. And I think they shut it down at certain times and then ramp it back up when they have something that fits the the company profile. Because um, I, I I look for older sticks, older blends that I remember, and I and I don't see them anymore. So I think that's kind of what it is. But the Espiritu line was something that they launched about a year ago, uh, originally, and I loved it. I absolutely loved that cigar. And, and recently, uh, they came out with the Espiritu number two, and that's what this is. It's a cigar of Nicaraguan origin, Brazilian wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Nicaraguan and Brazilian filler. So there's a lot more Brazilian in this than you usually... Usually, it's pretty much just the wrapper. This actually has it in the filler as well. Well, it's pretty hilarious. Um, today, I had to do my show prep, so I said, well, instead of instead of taking lunch, I'll just run to the shop up there at Big Boys, and I'll have a cigar and do my show prep there. And it seems like a, a great way to do the show prep. And all and Robbie happened to be working today that owns it. And I, he said, "What?" I said, well, I'm getting ready for the show. He said, what are you smoking tonight? I said, we're smoking the Espirito Number 2. And I'm very excited about that cigar. Sure enough, about 2.30 today, he texts me a picture of an Espirito Number 2. And he said, my rep just brought one by and I'm getting to smoke it before you. <laughs> 
<laughs> if it hadn't been for the weather, we'd have beat him. Well, that's right. We, we've had these. You And I, I will commend you on the restraint that you have shown to wait till you could smoke it with our listeners on a cigar that you've been looking forward to. I must. I, I give you a, a little bit of flack every now and then, but I cannot fault you for... When the rubber meets the road, <laughs> I'm pretty reliable. Yeah, you 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 can you can make it in a pinch. Yeah, it, it also didn't hurt that I had a box of Romeo Nicaraguas in the humidor that I could go to in the meantime. Oh yeah, that that helps. And all we're through snowpocalypse and all. It, this is life in Tennessee. This time last week when we were recording, there was about three inches of ice on the ground, and then as we were recording, there was another couple of inches of snow falling. And today it was 75 degrees. <laughs> I actually sat out on my back porch while I was working earlier this afternoon and had a cigar. It's the first time I've been able to do that since probably October. So that was really nice. Yeah, it's just it's life in Tennessee. If you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Right. So I'm excited. So here, before I even do the, I've cut it, but I've not even done the um, the cold draw yet. The Brazilian Araparaca leaf, Araparica. Araparaca. Araparaca. Leaf, according to the company. So, this is Brazilian and Nicaraguan, wrapped in Brazilian Araparaca, and um, designed to produce harmonious, medium to full body cigar with extraordinarily complex and earthy notes. Now, this is off of convenience store news. <laughs> they stole that exactly from that word for word is on the Altitus website. Oh, somebody just did a quick cut and paste? <laughs> they sure did. And uh, I, You know, and so the cigar or the... Um, I'm not thinking Altitus ripped that from, cigars, <laughs> from convenience store news and plagiarized it. Convenience store news also has other articles like why 7-Eleven is the 2020 hot beverages in- innovator of the year. <laughs> And I'll Swisher Sweets to transform with new inclusion and diversity initiative. <laughs> and I'll, so this really... Uh, You're not even going to get up to rev up the natural and roll leaf <laughs> sub-segments? You're not even going to go to that one? Well, I figure we might talk about that later. Three tips to capitalize on convenient, on cigars burning hot growth in convenience stores. <laughs> and I'll, it's, uh, we're, we may hit that later on. Depends on what the show's like. You know, when I was in high school... And the internet was just sort of becoming what, you know, it was it was in its infancy. And, you know, we used to get a lot of flack from our teachers about how, like, this is, you know, understanding the quality of the sources that you're, you're gathering when you use the internet to do research. And I used to think, well, who's stupid enough to, well, now I know that, that stupid is too far. That was, that was inappropriate. But... Now, when I see you pull stuff from convenience store news, now I know why my teacher was so hard-headed about <laughs> qualifying our sources. So, a very toothy wrapper. Very. A very firm cigar. But draws beautifully. The draw is excellent. A lot of flavor on the initial light. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of kick-in-the-teeth type flavor on the initial light. And I can't really put my finger on any individual flavors. It's just... It's bold, and there's there's a lot going on. I can't I can't quite dissect it yet. And bold is probably a better description for it than full-bodied. And I will see as we burn through these kind of how it develops out. Very luscious smoke comes out of this thing too. Velvety thick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ex- 
excellent initial impression on it. But I've been, also, I've been looking forward to this cigar now for, what, three weeks? Right. And also, and it's it's funny how that works because when we get to the end of the show and it comes time to pronounce judgment, if even if we like it even the littlest bit, I bet it'll end up getting an extra half a point just based on how much we look forward to it. But if it disappoints us, I bet we take off a full point just for you, not living up to. It. You know, we talk about a lot of times where a cigar starts at on the scale. Yeah. This cigar is starting for me at a five and a half before I ever lit it, before Same. I ever cut it. Same. Where most start for me at a five, and they may earn their way up or down from that standpoint. And I'm a pretty generous guy. They generally have to work hard to earn their way down. Right. And I'll usually, if I give you give a cigar a four, it's it means that I really, really did not care for it. Exactly. So, excited about this. The other so. Beginning with a new cigar. Let's just start right out of the gates. Okay. American-made Cohibas from General have not been my favorite cigars. Um, nothing wrong with them, but it's not something I reach for. One, usually the price tag's kind of out of range for what I, what I would like to pay for a General. Yeah, it's... Well, and I wouldn't even classify it as because it's made by General that I don't... It's just... It's in, it's in Padron money. And... Whether whether it's made by General or not, the Cohiba that we get in the States just doesn't fit my palate the way a Padron does for the same amount of money. But the Cohiba Siri M is coming from the El Titan de Bronze factory. Legendary El Titan de Bronze factory, I would say. And this is interesting because I wonder if General has realized exactly what you and I just said. And they said, wait. What if we bring if we grab something out of the Titan de Bronze factory and slap a Cohiba wrapper on it? Is that going to open a market up that previously left closed to us? Right. And also, brilliant move. Um, they've tightened, they've tapped the Titan de Bronze factory for the Series M Toro. Uh, listed the cigar as a six by fifty two Toro with a fantail cap and covered foot. Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper. And fillers from Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. I'm looking forward to this cigar. I am too. Uh, and, you know, we have talked about Sean Williams on the show before. He's a f- friend of mine from back in the days when I lived in Atlanta. And I was a big fan of his brand of cigars that he, the company that he ran, um, called El Primer Mundo. And they put out some amazing cigars that all came out of the El Titan de Bronze factory. And he, of course, now is the brand ambassador for Cohiba. So I smell some really good stuff cooking out of this. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, I was actually sitting out in the um, on the patio today having a cigar before you got here with a guy. And he said, so tell me about Fumaz and about... Um, medium filler tobacco cigars. He said, I see them in pricing. How will I know if that's a cheap cigar I might enjoy? And I told him, I said, look at the factory it comes from. Because generally, whatever factory it comes from, if you like the cigars they produce, you've probably got a higher likelihood of liking an inexpensive cigar made using that kind of tobacco. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's a good that's a good cigar cast top tip. When you're looking to buy that that cheap batch of cigars, take a look at the factory. So let's let's talk for a minute about the Titan de Bronze factory. Um, I love. So I never knew why they call. I assumed. So in my head, 
I assumed that there was a bronze statue of some sort of a titan standing out in front of the factory or maybe at the the local um, park had a big bronze statue and they said, well, let's call this El Titan de Bronze Factory. But actually it's not. Um, it's from the world-famous Caliocho, Southwest 8th Street in the heart of Little Havana in Miami. And the owner, Antonio Maceo Grajales, um, they referred to him as the Bronze Titan because of his physique. So they decided when he had the factory to name it the El Titan de Bronze Factory. I love the way they word that on the website. His, because of his exceptional physical strength and resistance to bullet and blade injuries. I want to hear those stories. Yeah, okay. There's a story behind that sentence. Apparently, Caliocho was not in the best part of town <laughs> prior to the El Titan de Bronze factory arriving. <laughs> I, I, and I, am, I imagine he never once had to endure someone calling him a chicken. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, some great blenders that come out there. Willie Herrera. One yeah. of my favorites, Willie Herrera, came out of there. And I'll tell you, if you go to their website, if you go TitanDeBronze.com, they have short filler Corona bundle, Corona bundle for 25 bucks. Yeah. A buck a cigar for cigars coming out of that factory. I bet they're good. I bet they are, too. I um, bet if, some, if, some, if you need something to slide in the Muchador, that's probably going to be a solid choice. And, you know, we were talking about uh, La Polina and, and how much we like the Goldie this year. You know, La Polinas are made in this factory. They are. Um, some of the Romeo and Juliets are or have been in the past. Um, you know, there's just there's a lot of good stuff, and, and that's just what they're making now. If you go back through history, they have touched every major brand that's on the market for the most part. So their factory, the actual factory, was established in 1995. I get to feel old when I realize that 1995 was 26 years ago. Right. And I'll, cause I see 1995, I say, well, that ain't that old a factory, but 26 years, that's enough. It, it could buy a drink. Yeah. And uh, he was quoted as having a strict motto, my duties to country and my own political convictions are above all human effort. With these, I shall reach the pedestal of freedom or I shall perish fighting for my country's redemption. And that's from Maceo. Um, Just really an interesting uh, setup. And I, I don't know if Willie Herrera is somehow related to this family. I feel like he is. You know, if you just if you see the pictures that they have on the website of him on the wall with the others, he kind of favors them quite a bit, and all. And like I said, everybody knows that listens regular. If Willie's the the blender, I'm usually in. They make Herrera Esteli there. They make Warped La Polina and Chinook Cellars. What are Chinook Cellars? I've never I don't seen know. that. I was just trying to look into that because that's not one that I am familiar with at all. It looks like it's a at a medium-bodied. It's got the the label on it is somewhat resemblant of uh, the Rocky Patel decade series. Ecuadorian de Florada wrapper. I've never had an Ecuadorian de Florada. If I have, I haven't heard it specifically labeled as Deflorada. Is Ecuadorian Deflorada kind of the opposite of virgin olive oil? It's deflowered versus virgin? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious <laughs> if there's what's sl- going on with this wrapper. <laughs> slutty Ecuadorian <laughs> slutty, wrapper. Yeah, slutty Ecuadorian wrapper. <laughs> no, they couldn't put that, so they had to put Deflorada. 
don't know. We'll have to we'll have to look at toward our Spanish speaking listeners to tell us what deflorada actually means. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean morally ambiguous. And all, but um, really cool factory. They sell their cigars online. Titan Corona Sampler, and all of their prices are reasonable. I mean, the Corona Sampler, five cigars, 45 bucks. Don't Google it. Don't Google what Don't it means? Don't Google it. Okay, I'm going to take you. You know, that's the chief thing I've learned as I've gotten older. When somebody says, Don't Google it, don't. Well, I mean, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't harm your sensibilities, but suffice it to say, it means what you thought it meant. Oh, it does. Okay, well, good. So, or so at it least is a that's sl- a, that's the Urban Dictionary version, at, at the very least. <laughs> so it is a slutty Ecuadorian rapper. It is. And uh, I mean, this um, Titan Grand Reserve Maduro. I was looking at the recipe for it earlier. Filler Santo Domingo Cuban Seed Nicaraguan Honduran Binder Ecuadorian Wrapper Brazilian and Strength Medium. Now I don't know if that's Brazilian Matafina or Brazilian Aparaca. And I'll, now that I know there's two Brazilian tobaccos, I will never accept Brazilian as a key anymore. I, I always do think it's interesting and, and kind of funny that, you know, you hear about Ecuadorian rapper or you hear Nicaraguan rapper. But it's always interesting when someone goes that extra step to let you know that it's Brazilian or, a, or whatever this one is or Matafina or, you know, mm-hmm. Ecuadorian, you know, just that next step. Yeah, God, well, my brain's not working tonight. When, when they get when they get into a little more detail about the actual genus of the tobacco that yeah. they've grown this from, um, makes a difference. And also, yeah, the Titan de Bronze factory, just a legendary factory in Miami. I'm sure they probably have a lot of import stuff from. You know, I'm, I'm sure that every cigar sold there is not necessarily rolled in that factory. Actually, I, I think it is. I think that's kind of the. I, I think that's the. The benefit of having your stuff made in the El Titan de Bronze factory is the fact that it is all actually rolled there. Um, they actually mention on their history that that every single one of their rollers is a level nine roller. Now I don't know enough about the the inner workings of the industry to know what that means, but I, I assume that means that there's a you know there's an ex, no one gets their start there. Everybody is of expert level. Yeah, I wonder, and we'll have to look. Is is that depend? how many cigars you've rolled, how the complexity of the cigars you've rolled, just the number of years in the industry. I'd be interested to... We'll I'm sure to it's get an amalgam of all levels. of those categories. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have to get into that a little further and really see what a level nine roller actually means. But very interesting. And and I would trust... You know, there's very few factories that I'm going to trust most of what comes out of there. I probably trust everything comes out of Titan to Bronze. And I'll call, call me a... Of, um, biased, if you will. But, okay, let's catch a quick legislation update. Exactly what we said would happen hap- last week has happened. Cigar Trade Association files for injunction against FDA regulations. This is from Aficionado, but Half Wheels had the article, and pretty much every cigar rag in the country has had an article about this. So the Cigar Association of America, the um, Cigar Rights of America, the Premium Cigar Association jointly filed for a judgment and permanent injunction before judgment, Judge Amit P. Mehta in the U.S. District Court that the FDA capriciously put the cigar regulations in. 
they didn't do their research. They didn't find out how many kids are smoking cigars. They didn't do their due diligence before deciding, okay, we're going to regulate cigars. Well, and the idea is that even if they did do that research, they didn't present it in the in the explanation for why the, the regulations needed to change, because that's the big thing. If you are going to, you can't arbitrarily just start changing regulations. You have to show, and the amount of proof that's required is dubious at best, but you have to show a need, and they haven't done that. And they, they have, they have over and over, they've had many opportunities to do so, and they've never done it. And is this a move? They don't, they probably don't actually expect the, that the judge is going to, um, I don't think they expect to win this. I don't think they do either, but I think they make say this is a move toward a premium cigar exemption. Yeah, I, I think I think we have reached the stage of all of this FDA nonsense where it it's just a matter of tying the FDA up in multiple lawsuits, forcing these cases to be heard, letting them you know. Um, we've got a little bit of an issue uh, that we're dealing with personally that requires a, a bit of legal finagling right now. And you know, sometimes it's not necessary to to do anything but show somebody that you're not going away. Yeah, and the government is notorious for getting grumble, for grumbling when people start asking for details. Yeah. And that, I think that's what this is. I think this is part of move part of a much bigger um, motion that they're trying to get to. And I think we will get to the premium cigar exemption. I'm optimist, but I do think we eventually will get to that. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think there's a component, I may be being a little cynical here, but I do believe there's a component of this, which is, um, you know, the, the PCA, you know, trying to justify some of their dues to their members. of like, Trying to justify their existence. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think there's a, a component that, you know, we're just going to, because like I said, I don't think they expect to win this. I wouldn't. Um, even though even though it's definitely filed on merit, which is why it's being heard in the first place. Um, but, you know, the it goes back to the whole idea of you can't fight City Hall. I realize you have and you've won. You're the exception, not the rule. But the, um, you know, well, anytime the, you're embroiled in a lawsuit with the federal government, which is being heard by a federal judge who's employed by the federal government, I don't believe you get a fair trial. I don't think it's possible. Um, there's too many conflicts of interest there. So, um, so yeah, I do, that's why I think it's... It, it's kind of a, a grandstanding or a showboating of here's how we're spending your dues on legal fees to fight this thing that's important to everybody. I think there's a little bit of that. I think there's a little bit of that. And I also think that you can't fight City Hall actually came from City Hall. They were trying to establish their rep and all because I, I do think you can fight City Hall because at the end of the day, they work for you. Yeah. Uh, then, by it, and large, they've forgotten that. Though. Oh, yeah. By and large, they they firmly convinced we're just their servants. But exactly. I do think that... Uh, you don't have to win every fight to win the war. You don't have to take every bridge to win the war. Right, right. And, uh, and I think that's an example of what's going yeah. on here. Both sides eventually take casualties. So I seen this article today, and I said, well, it's good to know 
there's weeks that I'm putting together content for the cigar cast and you and I are working on it that it's kind of thin. Yeah. That it's that it's tough to get enough content together to really get the show we want to put out because we, we hold ourselves to a high standard. And if it hadn't been for this, we probably would have been in that boat this week. Well, <laughs> but it's good to know aficionados sometimes struggles with content as well. We are not alone. <laughs> Eight ways to enjoy the Chinese New Year. What they should have titled this article were eight products that have Year of the Ox in them in the title somewhere. Yeah. That's all this is. That somehow, and and don't forget, the lucky number this year is eight. Oh, well, that's good to know. It's associated with wealth and prosperity. Let me tell you something. I've never felt wealthy nor prosperous when I had to write an eight down on my scorecard playing golf. (laughs) (laughs) The dreaded snowman has never made me feel wealthy and or prosperous. I've I've won a couple of poker hands with a pair of eights. Yeah, that's always possible. Although it didn't, eights didn't help me at the craps table when we went to Tunica. So, maybe. well, but the, craps is a tremendously complicated game. You and I would need much longer than a bachelor party weekend for me to teach you the game of craps. Fair enough. <laughs> and also, I will say about this that I was interested in two points about this article. Uh, one is how many people did a Year of the Ox product. I knew that Placencia had one. Um, no, I knew that Davidoff had one. I didn't realize that Plasencia, Hoya, and um, uh, Punch had all come out with Gear of the Ox. Now, I knew that the Punch Kung Pao was coming out. I didn't realize it was going to be branded for the Chinese New Year. Well, and this is interesting. The um, Great Wall Year of the Ox... Uh, Robusto size, 23 bucks, and a Grand Toro in 58. They're not made in China, but blended with Chinese tobacco. I don't think I've ever smoked Chinese tobacco. I haven't. Do you want another cigar in like 30 minutes after you're done smoking that one? <laughs> Sorry. God, I have, that's terrible. Some, sometimes you've just got to hit those jokes. <laughs> I am trying to find out. There is a there is a cigar in the image at the top of this article that is not reflected anywhere in the article, and I'm struggling to find it, because I just noticed when we were talking about it, that it actually has been etched with Chinese characters on the outside of the tobacco leaf. Are you noticing that oh, third yeah, one for the left? That. That, I that's That shows a tremendous attention to detail and skill that I think, regardless of, you know, we talked about gimmicks last week. This is a gimmick that I don't necessarily think is necessary. That's a weird way to say that, but uh, the um, but the the etching on on the outside of the cigar wrapper I think is really really clever. And we may have a new leader in the clubhouse for most useless cigar item to buy. The Siglo Accessory Year of the Ox Humidor at a thousand dollars. And it's just a cartoon bull on the rack. We're smoking a cigar. <laughs> so that gets to my second point that I was going to, that, you know, first was, was how many Year of the Ox products there were. The second was how many of these companies don't know what an ox looks like. That's yeah. a bull. Yeah. They, they seem to totally miss that. Ah, it's close enough. <laughs> I mean, even the, even the Placencia uh, box looks more like a bull than an ox. Yeah, I'm, I just I don't get it. I don't get. And of course, aficionado did the thing I hate. They put the description, the picture of the item at the bottom of the description. 
So no, I'm, I'm consistently oh no they put okay they I'm consistently confused by <laughs> what they're talking about. You just don't know what, what you like. Well, I don't. They, they consistently put the pitcher in the wrong place on these particular. They do. They make it hard arc. to know where you're looking. But I do like the Zippo Year of the Ox slider. I like that. It looks. I mean, you cannot go wrong with the Zippo, and I love the you know sort of the the Chinese stylized uh, depiction of the ox on the lighter. Um, the fact that they didn't go overboard with the decoration, I think that's a, I think that's great. Well, Zippo has the greatest business model in the world. Hey, stamp out a million of these little these little um, cases, and we'll stick an insert in them and sell it. Yeah, and we'll you know this is thirty dollars and forty five cents. What do you think they got in that? Two and a half cents? Oh, Three? It, yeah. <laughs> if that's one of those things that if I could go back in time. You know, everyone says, oh, I, you know, I play the lottery or I, you know, play the stock market or whatever. No, I'm going back far enough I can invent the Zippo. I'm going back and taking and buying stock in Starbucks. Yeah. Because that, that stock had to be dirt cheap when they said, we're going to sell expensive coffee, coffee all over the country. Oh, yeah. That would have been an IPO you could have gotten in on. I, I firmly believe if you brought somebody from the 1950s to modern times, that would be the thing that would floor them the most. Mm-hmm. And also... Really interesting, but it's time for a break. We'll take it. Boy, that that flew by. It really did. And uh, you flashed up the time signal, and I'm like, he needs to check that again. <laughs> that about say two minutes and 50 seconds as opposed to 25 minutes? Um, time flies when you're smoking cigars. When we come back, I want to talk about we have another cigar heist. And they finally did it right. They finally did it right. I have questions okay. that I could not find answers to. I don't know why they, they they didn't. Every article that I read had the same paragraph right. of information. We also want to talk about a man's two million dollar cigar lounge in his backyard, and an insanely expensive humidor. Well, at least he's got somewhere to put it. We'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's cigar under eight. This week, we want to talk about the La Gloria Cubana Series R. I remember when this cigar came out and how blown away I was with it. So it is a, um, the wrapper, it comes in all kinds of wrappers, Broadleaf, Sumatra, Maduro. There's a wide selection. This has a lot of selection in this price range of wrappers. The Sumatra is my favorite. Yeah, I think I've smoked more of the Connecticut Broadleaf mm-hmm. because this is kind of this is an unassuming cigar. You'll walk by it if you ain't real careful. Now that Forged has taken over distribution, I think that's going to change and all because it is kind of becoming a keystone in their lines. It's a Nicaraguan binder with a Bra- Brazilian, Dominican, Mexican, and Nicaraguan filler. Just a good meat and potatoes cigar. This definitely sits firmly in the workhorse cigar category. Absolutely. Until next week, try a La Gloria Cubana Serie R. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from a man who needs no introduction. Thief snabbed nearly 60K in stogies from Midtown Cigar Shop. That was well done. <laughs> Everyone always says that, but then they introduce the person. But did they introduce? Yeah, it's always this man needs no introduction. 
but he won this, 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 and he is this, this, and he's, he's an a icon. champion of this and a philanthropist. Yeah, why don't they ever just say, this man needs no introduction, next? <laughs> so, from the New York Post, thief nabs nearly $60,000 in stogies from Midtown Cigar Shop. Okay, I read this article today in like four different locations, and every one of them had the exact same three Blurb. sentences. Yeah. Nearly $60,000 cigar dollars in stogies from a Midtown Cigar Soft. So they stole from Davidoff Geneva, and they broke in from a empty building next door. I love that. That is got heist a, movie written all yes, over it. That has everything about 70s bank robbery and heists. All rolled, like if you're gonna do it, they picked the most expensive cigars on the market, ish. They they picked the right location. They grabbed the right stuff, and they did it the right way. I'm not advocating for burglary. I just want to go on record. But if you're gonna do it, do I it like right. I like to see it done well. Yeah. So they. I grabbed, almost hope they don't get caught. Three bags of cigars valued at $57,000. Okay, insurance guys. that have insurance scam written all over it? Or do you think... How big would... Th- to get $57,000 worth of cigars in three bags, we're talking like Santa sacks, ain't we? Uh, military duffel bags? Military, du- military well, we style? We are talking Davidoffs. We are, but still, even at $30 a stick, $57,000 is a lot of sticks, you know. And I looked everywhere to try to find out what they stole. Right. Because usually when there's one of these thefts, they say, hey, if you have somebody offer you a deal on a Davidoff, you know, Winston Churchill Millennium Edition, let us know. All right, so that's 1,900 cigars divided by 20, that's 95 boxes. So that's, that's three, that's three bags. That, that, that'd be tight fit. No, it's 95 across three bags. That's 30 boxes per bag. You can do that's, that. That's I've still got a, bag a tight that. fit. It's got to be a big bag. I've got a bag that would hold three boxes. I, my 30. hunting bag would, or 30 boxes. My hunting bag would hold 30 boxes. Yeah. So, okay, this is a little more believable, but 1.30 a.m. from the vacant store next door. So whoever the thief is in this Bravo, at least you did it right. At least you didn't break in or walk into an unlocked door or have one, have a box of cigars fall out of an armored truck. And, and just in case the motivation for this was because you were tired of hearing us grumble and complain about the lack of creativity and, you know, inspiration behind these previous cigar thefts, we won't ask any questions if a couple of Davidoffs happen to show up in our mailbox. If a, if a couple happen to show up, we won't complain. And we are going to get questioned. <laughs> And yeah, next, next week I'm smoking a Davidoff, even if I have to go buy one. <laughs> and all, but um, the, yeah, very, very well done. And thank you for raising the bar for all of the other cigar burglars in the country. Bravo. So from the Wall Street Journal. So this article. From the New York Post to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. That's some whiplash. So. This really struck home for me because of the first sentence in this, because I've been a part of this kind of boondoggle before. Andrew Berlin can't recall the exact moment when his ideal for a simple screened-in porch (laughs) (laughs) became a less modest endeavor, but two years and $2 million later, he's enjoying his own elaborate cigar retreat on his property. (laughs) I'm going to do the math again. I've been I've been involved in a lot of screened-in porches that have that the budget has ran out of control. That is twenty-two hundred dollars per square foot. 
Yeah, that, that's <laughs> way no. That, his home is ten thousand one hundred square no, foot. No, uh, yeah, it's nine hundred square feet. Two million divided by nine hundred is two thousand two hundred and twenty-two dollars per square foot. So I, I love I love the name of the article: a two million dollar cigar lodge in the backyard. When when do you go from lounge to lodge? When it looks like that. Yeah. There's wood everywhere in that thing. Stone building. Um, oh man, copper shingles. Yeah, that's a, that's a wad of cash right there. The yeah. lighting looks nice. I wish they'd give us some interior pictures. There are. Scroll down. I haven't seen any. No, I. Oh wait. Oh, I have to sign in or subscribe to read Hit the full the story. Hit the X. Oh, okay. Hold on. Join us next week when I teach Shane how to use an iPod from 1999. But just a beautiful place. And is that so? Which is the bigger, the bigger fantasy? This. The own your own cigar shop or build your own lounge? Build your own lounge. And I'll tell you why. Because this is in a Chicago area suburb. So you and I are grateful enough to live in the state of Tennessee where we can smoke outside on a random day in February. These people are not that that lucky. And so I completely understand why this went from a modest, let's just do a screened-in porch. Give me a place, you know, where I can, you know, when it's, you know, only when it's only 20 degrees outside instead of negative 19, I can go outside and smoke a cigar. And, and then... It just sort of morphs into this having an oasis. And if you look at it, it looks like he's right on Lake Michigan because, I mean, lakefront, yeah. beautiful property. I do wonder if the, you know, if the property value of that section of his existing property was calculated into the $2 million or if that's just what he spent on that building. But it's it's gorgeous and it's a retreat and it's his. And you can see... You know his attention to detail and, and the design of things he likes built into it. I just no. I think this is the ultimate dream. But couldn't the couldn't the argument be made? So yeah, this is great. But you've got to bring your buddies to you. Where if you owned a cigar shop, your buddies would come to you of their own accord. True. I mean, couldn't you make the argument that the owning your own cigar shop is a little easier to get friends to come smoke with you? Not if you had a place that looked like this. Good luck getting me to leave. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I mean, I definitely understand that. But if you are the kind of person who can afford to spend $2 million on a modest little outbuilding on the backside of your property just f- to have a place to smoke cigars with your friends, I have a feeling you don't have a hard time getting your friends to come over. Well, and I think you, you you invite the occasional business partner over so you can at least ride off part of this. Exactly. Yeah, you saw he's got a desk in there, so it's a it's a home office. He built a new office. It's it's totally tax deductible. Oh yeah, Abso- <laughs> absolutely. The American dream at its finest here. But I really like that. So now you could spend two million dollars to open up a cigar shop and then let it make the money back, and then you have this later. Yeah, that there would work. Go. That would work as well. Okay. Let's stop for a minute and talk about the Esprit Tube number two. The word that comes to mind to me when smoking this cigar is clean. Yeah. There's very little aftertaste. Yeah. It's it's very, um, it's not very, it's not super full. It started out strong. It started out very strong. But it's mellowed out. I'm about halfway through the stick right now. 
and it's just very clean. There's just there's not a lot of there's not a lot of sticking to the roof of your mouth. There's not a lot of tongue feel. Yeah, it's I, just really got a good feel. Yeah, it really does. You know, I, this is absolutely so far living up to my expectations of it. It's. You know, I still am not. I'm, I'm still getting nuanced flavors, but but I haven't yet been able to identify them, and I'm not brave enough to try a retro hell yet. And you know, it's just I feel like so often you get a great cigar, but you taste it for three days, and and I don't have a problem with that. Sure, I, I like the residual, especially like the. Um, La Roar ADN is one of those that you feel like you've just finished eating a steak dinner for three hours after you finish smoking it. I love that about that cigar. But sometimes you don't want that. And there are plenty of cigar smokers who don't ever want that. And this is perfect. You know, there is, it, it, it's really got a pleasing mouthfeel while you're smoking it. But once you exhale, there's, it doesn't leave anything behind. Well, and I'm thinking back, because in preparation for this cigar, I smoked one of the original Espiritus, the number one, Saturday. And uh, we went down to the lounge, and I sat down, and I got one of the original Espiritus and sat there and smoked it, because I wanted to kind of have it fresh in my brain to compare and contrast the two cigars. Kind of like you did with E.P. Carrillo a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I really like to do that. I think that improves my overall ability to judge a cigar. Now, this is not my first cigar today. I had one before you got here, but it was a milder cigar. It was not... Um, mm. I didn't want something with a with a ton of strength to it to, to take away from this cigar because I was looking forward to it. But this is... It's just a lot cleaner. You can tell it's a different quality of tobacco. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to be from the A.J. Fernandez factory, it doesn't have that typical A.J. Uh, uh, brashness. You know, there's a there's a certain amount of you know hellfire and brimstone that you expect out of an AJ Fernandez cigar that this just doesn't have, and I don't think it suffers for it. So, from Looper.com, the insanely expensive JFK item that was featured on Pawn Stars. Okay, have you ever watched Pawn Stars? Yes. I was a big fan of Pawn Stars in the beginning, but I've kind of walked away from it. it it's like so many things of that style of television that it eventually becomes a caricature of itself and i think as you start to learn more about the people behind it and as you start to you know as they gain popularity they have to do things to kind of keep stay on the air i don't even know if they are still on the air so it's they pawn stars debuted in 2009 and a JFK's personal humidor, and it actually had some cigars in it. Um, spent time with him when he was in the White House. I'm trying to see exactly where these were. The customer came into the shop, and he was asking $95,000 for JFK's humidor with the cigars in it. And, uh, and they, he eventually accepted the shop's offer of $60,000. Now, it doesn't really say how he came across this humidor. I guess I got to go back on my Discovery app and find that. Oh, find did you sign episode. up for Discovery Plus? Well, okay. My wife, I said to my wife, I said, you know, Trey's got Discovery Plus and he's really enjoying it. And we watch a lot of the Discovery Plus shows. I said, we were to get Discovery Plus. She said, oh, well, Verizon sent me a free year of it a while back. I just didn't sign up. I said, honey. If they send you a year's free subscription to the Dame Judy Dench Sewing Network, go ahead and take it. 
She actually has a show on Discovery Plus. Oh, she does. <laughs> she really does. You, I knew you would know that, and I, and you would watch her Sewing Network. I, I absolutely would. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up with a free year of Discovery Plus, and we've been wearing it out, enjoying it. It's one of the best streaming services out there because you get all the Food Network stuff, all the unfortunately like, the HGTV junk. Yeah, but you get the yeah they have the HGTV has been the the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with professionally. I think probably in your entire career, the bane of my existence. But yeah, you know if you like the travel stuff, if you like the food stuff, if you like the paranormal, the true crime, it's all there. Yeah, hey, what happened to Travel Channel? When did that become the Paranormal Network? I don't know, and it drives me crazy. You know, because, so we've been going back. We'll talk about cigars in a minute. Uh, <laughs> we've been going back and watching all of Anthony Bourdain's stuff. And we watched his show, The Layover, which was kind of his short format. You know, you've mm-hmm. only got two days in a city. Here's what to do. That's, I, I never watched it when it was on the air, and, and I loved it. We ran through both seasons, and we're watching No Reservations as well. I'm dreading the day that I run out of episodes of that show because there's nothing else like it. Yeah. I, I, I don't like Zimmern. I don't, because it's all about the weird foods he eats, and it's not about the location. And I, I like that Bourdain's shows are about the location. There's nothing else like it. I do, and yeah, because the Travel Channel became all about you know, hunting for gold and ghost finding and stuff yeah. like that. Searching for Bigfoot. Hey. I, I would like to think Bigfoot's out there. Did you hear? We may have talked about this already. Arkansas has issued has has or there was a there was a state legislator in Arkansas. No, I'm sorry, Oklahoma, that put a bill on the House floor of the state of Oklahoma that said um, they were going to establish a hunting season for Bigfoot. And issue permits and tags for it. To kill one or to take a picture of one? To trap one. You have to bring him in alive. They're not advocating for killing him. And but the idea is they want I mean it's it's political grandstanding. He wants to be able to generate income for, from people that buy the license. Because I mean, if I got if I got to say I had a hunting license for Bigfoot, that would be kinda cool. It'd be you know, and it goes to conservation. Meanwhile, their neighbors to the south Texas says, No, you can come hunt him here. <laughs> <laughs> if you get through all the dang chupacabra, you can have all the Bigfoot you want. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, the um you know, the Bigfoot thing's an interesting thing. I'd like to live in a world where Bigfoot exists, mm-hmm. but you would think by now one of the trail cameras, if nothing, you know, you can, this is something people don't realize. There are millions and millions of trail cameras in our woods. There is, there is virtually nowhere you can go in the deep woods that you're not on camera. Yeah, the you know, hunters, we use the trail cameras to great effectiveness, and even now... We'll have people, you know, call us when we're out there hunting and say, "Hey, I seen you dragging a deer past the trail camera because it sent a photo of me dragging a deer to the cell phone, to their, right. you know, to their thing." So it would look like by now we would have a have a reasonable Bigfoot photo. It won't be it won't be long before you don't even have to check in your kills when you hunt because the TWRA will have already seen it on closed circuit television. <laughs> well, I look forward to the day that I can just call the TWRA office and say, "Hey." Um, Looking for a nice eight-point buck, Johnson Meadow, Saturday morning. 
Okay, oh, 5179A is coming through at about 9 o'clock. <laughs> we are sending the GPS coordinates <laughs> to yeah. your cell phone. Yeah, and uh, sure enough, he'll walk out there, you shoot him, try not to hit any of the transistors or radio collars <laughs> that happen to be on the deer. That's the only thing they would like to ask. <laughs> no, yeah, if you take the deer down but save the transistors, you get an extra tag that year. That's right. <laughs> But anyway, hey, we should we should start heading the TWRA. We could make some really good improvements. <laughs> Coming back to JFK's humidor. Oh, that we were talking about something, weren't we? Another of JFK's humidors was sold at the Sotheby's auction of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Estate for a price of five hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. What made that one worth so much more than this one? Well, you know. Rick at, of Pawn Stars fame has been, become a meme for, you know, I'll give you eight bucks. Sure. Of, you know, he's got to think. So the thing with, with high price auction items like this is that you have to find the buyer. So he has to purchase it at, you know, with the expectation of at least doubling his money. And so, so he's thinking, okay, one has gone for a little over half a million. But how many people are out there that are collectors of an item like this that have that kind of money? And probably settled on the fact that he could probably get 120000 easy. He might get lucky and get more, but that's, you know, the guy was gambling on that by bringing it to the pawn shop rather than putting it in an auction himself. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, Okay, last article. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we both found this kind of hilarious. This is from On Point Fresh. Which, when I seen that the name of the site was On Point Fresh, I almost clicked past. I was surprised, actually, when I saw the name of this website, that you would have been on it at all. I'm, I'm generally flipping through, you know, mo- the, the sites that have these kind of descriptions on them, I usually fall away from. Because the thing is, I don't fault this guy for it. But did you read the bio of the author? Yes. I'm Anthony, and I am obsessed with clothes. Anything from fashion to grooming are things I study constantly, and my biggest joy in life is helping guys look their best. That, that alone, like I said, I don't fault the guy for that, but you would. I'm surprised you didn't read that and click right off. Well, the interesting part, so the article's called 20 Hobbies for Men That Don't Require a Massive Amounts of Money. There should be an asterisk behind that. Because what is a massive amount of money to one person to the other? And, and we'll talk about that as we go through the list. You know, because we, we often refer to our cigar smoking as our cigar hobby. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do think it is a hobby. It brings people together. You get to do things together. You know, we've gone on tunica trips together. We're planning a fishing trip together. We're All of these things that the cigar culture brings together that we get to sit and talk about. And also, um, I, I definitely think cigar smoking qualifies as a hobby. It does, and I like that it actually made this list at number eleven. I don't know if they're in any particular order, but um, or at least I hope not, based on what they've got at number one. But the the wonderful thing about cigars as a hobby is that it it can complement so many other hobbies. You know, there's very few things on this list that isn't made better with a cigar. Oh, yeah. Number one on the list, fantasy sports. I hate that. It's a stupid hobby. <laughs> I, and I used to play fantasy sports, so I feel like I can, you know, I feel like I have a right to judge here. I feel like fantasy sports was created as a loophole for people that want to gamble on That's sports. That's exactly what it was. But I also, like, I, you know, and, and then I'm going to, 
I'm not going to dwell on this too much because I'm not I'm not feeling like a social justice warrior today. But this idea that these are hobbies are for <laughs> these are hobbies for men, and the first one's fantasy sports. This idea that that you know it's a, it's inherently manly because it's res, resulting in sports. It's no more manly than D and D. It's the same hobby. It's fantasy, as, as the great Jimmy Pardo said. It's fantasy accounting. Yeah, it's not. It really has very little to do with sports. Number and two. Have you ever met anyone who plays fantasy sports, like like multiple sports throughout the year? They are the. I, it's like sitting down at a table full of accountants, and I've done it. I would prefer to do that versus sitting across the table from somebody who does fantasy sports. Well, and they, you know, they have the. They had here the league for a long time. They don't have it here anymore. The Stogies League. And the night I won it one year. <laughs> well, the night of the fantasy draft, it, we could have launched a space shuttle with the amount of technology that was in this building. Each person had a computer, two laptops, three cell phones, a telegraph yeah. machine. You seen smoke coming out of the router? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, um, cars, bikes. Uh, I, that's that. The, to me, that's expensive. That is expensive. It, yes, it's possible. To, to be into cars for not much money, but anybody who's ever tried that will tell you it quickly changes. Woodworking. That's another one I feel like. I mean, yeah, you could get a really nice pocket knife and a couple of sticks and just learn to whittle. You know, it's definitely possible, but, but to do any sort of woodworking that you would, you know, be proud of, the tool investment is pretty high. Well, it's it feeds itself. Yeah. You know, when you first get it, you get the shopsmith that has the lathe, bandsaw, sander, and treadmill all built into one. Right. And then you realize, wait, every step I have to stop and basically operate Optimus Prime to transform my station. So, well, if I... To get a tool that is 10%... The, the efficiency and the quality of if I had just spent the same amount of money on one dedicated tool for one dedicated task. Oh, the training for the guys that sell those has got to be like a boot camp somewhere. Because in Home Depot, they can transform that son of a gun in like 20 seconds. Yeah. You're at home trying to transform it. You need six men and a mule to lift one piece. It's just, it's not practical. The plastic catch breaks the second time you use it. Yeah. Home renovation. That's not a cheap hobby, that folks. Not, that's that. That's not even a cheap hobby for Jeff Bezos. <laughs> okay, Scotch. Um, it's a, I can I can see where you could get into Scotch on the cheap. You could get in for cheap, but you're not going to be around for long on the cheap. No. Weight training, fitness. Well, that's yeah. not bad. I mean, I run. It, it costs you know it costs me hundred and sixty dollars a year for new shoes. That's all it takes. Fishing. Fishing's another one of those gateway hobbies. Oh, yeah. You can get in for real cheap. But yeah. that, it's just like that crack dealer on your corner. It's The first taste is free. Yeah. Photography? Uh, that's, there's nothing cheap about no. photography. Good luck getting into a camera for less than 1000 bucks. Okay, models. If you're looking for a reason to embrace a life of celibacy, models is the hobby for you. <laughs> it's true. It, it, it's funny you say that, though, because I've been thinking about that lately. I love model trains. I don't have the, the space in my house for it. I don't have the time or the patience to get into it. But I was, because anytime videos of people building those little dioramas to put next to their train sets, and that, well, I love watching the people who are good at putting them together do it. But I just, it's. You're really getting a lot out of that Discovery Plus subscription re- we talked about earlier, aren't you? I really am. 
shooting. Now, I love that in shooting they show the crudest arrow known to man. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 the guy who got out of fishing because it was too expensive and thought he would use his fly tying skills to make an arrow. Um, cigars. Now, so many of these hobbies are accentuated by your cigar hobby. Exactly. Shooting, good cigar, good cigar, run. Especially if you're getting into archery. I think archery is a much more inexpensive, especially with ammo prices, what they are today. Archery is a great, it's so soothing, it's great for the mind, it's really relaxing, and you can get in for pretty cheap. Yeah, you can get into archery on the cheap, and you can smoke a cigar. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, when you're off your times of shooting, don't have it in your mouth. When you're pulling back, you'll burn your string into. Okay, barbecue. Please explain to me the difference in barbecue and grilling. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording, because being a couple of good Southern boys like we are, there's a very big difference between the two. And I don't feel like you can get into barbecue for cheap. If if you're using, if it's hamburgers and hot dogs, that's not barbecue. If it takes less than six hours, that's not barbecue. Well, I'm, so I'm a barbecue snob. Mm-hmm. To me, there is nothing greater than when you get a piece of meat that you harvested of your own accord that you know you went out you hunted it you found it on the trail camera you shot it you brought it home you processed it yourself and then you get to sit down and cook the fruits of all of your labor see i've actually not had the opportunity yet to to smoke a piece of meat that i've harvested from nature there's something magical about it so i will go i I just realized a difference in vernacular that i think is is kind of how i draw the line Barbecue is a dish. Smoking and grilling are the two methods by which you achieve barbecue. Yeah, I can, I can. And, and like all of these hobbies, it can run into some major money. Oh yeah, you I know, don't when you, even want to tell you what I paid for my green egg. Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous what that what they can cost. But it's like anything, you get in it what you put out of it. Camping, you are not getting into that for cheap. It yeah, you can get into camping on the cheap. N- no, you cannot. Man, let me tell you something. I am a seasoned veteran of yard selling. I can get you. I can get you set up in a tent with an air mattress, a fire start kit. Are you, you going to carry all that stuff on your back? Well, okay. So now you're wanting to get into hiking, not camping. Well, no, it's still camping. No, well, even, you pull even up so, the... you even even if you're doing it the way you're talking about, you still have to have. And this is, if you're going for any more than just one night, you've got to have food. You've got to have at least a couple of coolers, which are capable of keeping that food below the danger zone for multiple days. I'm talking Yeti. You don't have to get that brand, but that type of cooler is pretty much required. If you're going any more than two days, it is. You know, the yes, okay, I guess you could get it in for cheap, but if you want to enjoy yourself camping, you can't do it for cheap. No, you can pull up. You know, we're blessed in Tennessee. We have a, a plethora of great campgrounds that you can back your truck up, throw everything out of the back of the truck on the ground, have your tent set up. They got a bathhouse there with flush toilets and showers. You, yeah, you know, if there's still cell service, I don't call it camping, though. Oh, okay. Well, you, you want to get back in the boondocks. Well, that's uh, otherwise, why are you going? Just if you're going to sit around the everything. campfire playing Angry Birds, what's the point? Well, no, I have a strict no cell phone policy during my camping excursions. I like it being a forcible 
Yeah, I like that. I like that if you have a cell phone in your hand, I get to see how many times I can skip it across the lake that we happen to be setting in front of. But that's why that's why I like camping out so far away that that even if you have a cell phone, it doesn't matter because you can't do anything with it anyway. We're not going to hit all of these because you know there's no need. Golf. Is there ever been anybody get into golf on the cheap? No. It's just the green fees. If you if somebody gave you a set of clubs and a five gallon bucket of balls at a minimum every time you want to go out, I've and it's especially funny to me because golf is one of those sports that every time hobbies come up, people talk about how expensive a hobby golf is. Yeah. So, but it is a hobby. You can smoke a cigar on. And to me, that's my my thing for a hobby. I kind of like my hobbies to work together. Camping and cigars. Go Nothing together. Better. Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Fishing. Golf, golf and cigars, fishing and cigars, peanut butter and jelly. Now, genealogy, I will agree. You can get into genealogy on the cheap. You just got to be willing to bug. <laughs> you can bug your aunts and uncles for pictures. Yeah. The last one, gardening. And gardening is the number one hobby in America. I'm just, I, I, I find that hard to believe. Does sticking the avocado pit on the toothpicks in the glass of water count? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll give that one to you. And not that you'll ever actually yield an avocado tree and get another avocado off of that. No, and, and you know why that is? Because I take the avocado pit out of the avocado the correct way. You cut the avocado in half? Yep. And then you hit it with the knife. Right. And twist comes out every time. Yeah, if your avocado, which I have a hate-hate relationship with avocados. Uh, you know, avocados are ripe for about 32 seconds in the middle of the day while you're at work. They're the only fruit with a sense of irony. Yes. <laughs> yes, avocados hate me, and I hate them in return. And all, but um, I, lo- I love this. Here are the seven reasons to become a gentleman gardener. I'm not clicking on that link for no amount of money. <laughs> All right, let's land this plane. Tell me, give me your rating on the Esperito. I've went first the past four or five times. It's your turn. This is exactly what I was thinking. I'm inclined to give it a rating that may be about a half a point higher than it should be just because of the the build-up to it. I'm going to say six and a quarter. The cigar is a solid six. All fact, you know, if, if you, so the only thing that keeps me from pushing the cigar up to the six and a half, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with your six and a quarter rating. Yeah. I was going to say six and a half. I took a quarter off just because I thought I w- it was the rose colored glasses. But I don't know what the availability of these is going to be like. I've, I've seen a lot of people placing orders. Have you? I have. And I think when people smoke them, there will be many more orders placed because it is an excellent cigar. It's a very, very good cigar. I think six months from now, when I smoke another one, I'll probably be inclined to raise that rating. Now, I gave you the 6x54 Toro as well. When you go back to it, will you try this again? Will you go up to the Gordo? What, probably, what do you do? I probably, because I don't, I don't smoke the regular Espiritu in the Gordo. I probably will go to the Churchill, the 44 by 7 and a quarter. Gotcha. That's probably the one I'll reach for more often than not, because I'm, I'm kind of over that size era in my cigar smoking. Yeah. And I'll, because really, what's the difference in a 5 by 44, 5 by 54 and a 6 by 60? 
not much. Negligible. Well, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's different if you're coming down versus going up. I think you're not going to notice much of a difference, but I notice a huge fall off in flavor and complexity when I go up to that six by sixty. But that's did I? I don't know if you saw that. I, I, we're going to run over, but I don't know if you saw this last night. I had a La Aurora ADN in the Churchill. Mm-hmm. Have you had it in that size? I yet? I haven't had it in that size yet. That's it. Is that the size That's that cigar the size should be? That cigar should be. That was incredible. It was like I was smoking one for the first time again. Oh wow! So all of the construction issues that you've had contention with were gone. Gone. Yeah, I felt like Madonna. <laughs> well, well, Madonna, go ahead and tell them how to get a hold of us. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can get us via email at info at cigarcast.com or on facebook.com slash the cigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast. Well, in probably the quickest feeling cigar cast in history. This has been. This one has flown by. I think. Yeah. I think the episodes with Jimmy Labriola are the only ones that have felt quicker than this. Probably, but thank you everybody for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.